a deep dive into election fraud in Arizona, another FBI January 6th cover-up, the cartels, and guess who the vaccine is killing now? Find out on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Oh, 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 and the latest strangeness on the Paul Pelosi story. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 283 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day of the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com. Click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, um, I almost, we got so much to talk about today that I almost was going to just pass by the latest on the Paul Pelosi saga. But there was something that reached out and grabbed me and made me think, okay, wait, wait, wait. I actually have to do this. So there's an update from a reporter at NBC TV, Bay Area. Now remember, NBC News has already suspended an award-winning reporter for the Today Show for having the gall to go out there with publicly available information Pardon me. With information he got from longtime police sources, which conflicts with the official narrative, if you catch my drift. NBC News suspended him, and they won't say why. Okay? Made Pelosi look bad. So now we have this reporter, senior investigative reporter, Bigad Shaban, NBC Bay Area. And... He is going to present to you what he calls a scoop. Two major law enforcement agencies investigating the Pelosi attack can't agree on who opened the door once San Francisco police arrived. Okay? So we got the audio of his report, and it went something like this. 
Senior investigative reporter Bagad Shaban has been checking with his sources to try and clear it up. He joins us now, and you've got some answers, Bagad. Well, just this all has to do with the moments, seconds, really, just before Paul Pelosi was struck in the head with a hammer inside his San Francisco home. Now, there continues to be con- contradicting accounts of a relatively simple question. Who opened the door that night when San Francisco police arrived to the Pelosi house? Now, the Department of Justice says the two officers opened the door. That's according to a federal indictment filed earlier this week. But the San Francisco District Attorney's Office, in another court document that was filed earlier this month, said Mr. Pelosi opened the door with his left hand. So, the question is, what really happened? According to a source familiar with the investigation who personally watched the police body camera footage from that night, officers knocked on the door of the Pelosi home, then backed away. And the video clearly shows Paul Pelosi opened the door with his left hand, just like what was noted in the documents filed by the DA's office. Now, also as written in the DA docs, the source tells us the body cam video shows officers having a brief conversation with Pelosi and David DePap. That's the man accused of breaking into the Pelosi home before DePap starts beating Pelosi. With a hammer. We reached out to the Department of Justice for an explanation on its differing account of this seemingly innocuous issue of who opened the door, but so far we have not heard back. In the end, does it really even matter whether he opened the door, or the guy opened the door, or the police opened the door? I mean, how does that change the scenario if you move away just conspiracy theories? Yeah, I mean, the reality is right now, Jess, we have no reason to believe that it matters at all. And that's why our source, who has seen the police body camera video, can't understand why federal investigators wrote that officers opened the door because they say the video shows officers didn't. But when two police agencies give slightly different accounts of what happened in this kind of high-profile case like this one, it just feeds into conspiracy theories, and that's what we're seeing right now on social media. People inventing crazy stories based on something as simple as who actually opened the door. Okay, so I was just going to blow that off. I wasn't going to present that to you. However, however, there was a guy who responded to what you just heard out there on Twitter who goes by Steve P. He says he's an engineer, awakened from liberalism, now fully conservative, and He responded to everything you just heard. He said, they are no longer conspiracy theories when they are actually true. Who opened the door does matter, and so does releasing the body cam footage. There is no substantiation of any right-wing extremism from the suspect. So why the need for the crafted narrative? And then we get the answer. The answer is from a gentleman that I follow on on Twitter, a fellow named Greg Ray, lawyer and producer of Tucker Carlson Tonight. He's the producer of Tucker Carlson's show. And he answers the question, why the need for the crafted narrative? He says he doesn't want to get suspended. It's kind of sad to watch about the reporter whose voice you just heard. Now, 
that's not a conspiracy theory. When you do what Greg Ray does for a living, which is you produce one of the most watched television shows in America, certainly the most watched TV news talk show, Tucker Carlson tonight, you have the experience to know what you're talking about. Now, I've got a lot of experience in radio. So sometimes people ask me things, and I can explain them about radio. Greg Ray has been full-time producer for Tucker Carlson tonight for five and a half years. He knows TV. He knows TV news. And when he says, in response to just an innocent question from a conservative bystander who says, obviously, it is a big deal, and why the crafted narrative here from the NBC TV news operation in San Francisco, Greg Gray says, well, this guy doesn't want to get suspended, and it's really sad to watch. Well, that's true. That's true. That's exactly what's going on here. Well, we don't understand why the Department of Justice is lying because the body cam footage clearly shows Paul Pelosi opening the front door with his left hand, not the police opening the door. The San Francisco affidavit clearly says Paul Pelosi opened the door. The police didn't, but it doesn't matter. So, you know, but it's so we don't understand why the DOJ is changing the story because it really doesn't matter. It, it's all just conspiracy theories. Who are you going to believe? Me or your lying eyes? That's cognitive dissonance. They're trying to make you think that it's a conspiracy theory to question why the DOJ is lying, why they're changing the story from what the body cam footage says and what the affidavit filed locally in San Francisco says. As they're questioning it, for you to question it is a conspiracy theory, and there's nothing to it, but they're questioning it. And so this guy, Bigad Chaban, has to do what is referred to in the business as doing the dance. He can't dare cast aspersions upon Merrick Garland's DOJ or Christopher Ray's FBI. But sure is a head-scratcher. I wonder why they're doing that. Oh, well, we don't want to feed into conspiracy theories. And Greg Ray, producer for Tucker Carlson, just cuts through all that like hot knife through butter. He says, well, here's the deal. Clearly, obviously, he doesn't want to get suspended. It's, it's kind of sad to watch. Indeed, it is. Okay, um, we have some footage from a nurse. She's an ER nurse, labor and delivery in California. California postpartum nurse, pardon me. A California postpartum nurse, her name is Michelle Gershman. 
And she was on a podcast, video podcast, that I was not familiar with, Highwire, with a guy named Dell Bigtree. And um, very alarming what she's saying about the COVID vaccine. I work at a trauma center, um, a large hospital in Central California, and um, I'm a postpartum nurse. So in March of 2021, it was about two months after the vaccines really started to roll out, um, I noticed that in the NICU, a neonatal intensive care unit where they have the babies that may have some health issues, you know, on any day, um, it used to always have about 50 babies in there. Um, and all of a sudden, in March 2021, there were 80 babies in the NICU. So that's a very high number for the NICU. Um, and then um, in April of 2021, I started noticing that there were fetal demises on the board in labor and delivery. A fetal demise is a baby that passed away in utero, but they're usually full term. So, you know, anywhere from 32 weeks to 40 weeks even, I would look on their charts and I was noticing that a lot of these mothers had received the vaccine. A lot of times they had received it like one week before and then they went into labor and they delivered a baby that either passed away already or they had to go to NICU because they were too early to survive outside the womb without help. I was blown away by what I was seeing, the health problems that all of a sudden we're seeing in the mothers. When okay. I've talked to other nurses around me, they have not been paying attention, it seems like, not like I have. Some of them have said all these health problems are coming from something in the water or pesticides, and they're just kind of oblivious to the fact that it could possibly be this new experimental drug. Wow. So Dell Bigtree who's the host of the High Wire video podcast, says, in response to what you just heard, he said, what would be the average rate of stillborn fetal demise on your floor? Here's your response. When I started working there in November 2020, there used to be one or two every two or three months. And then since March of 2021, there were one or two um, each week. Dell Bigtree, the High Wire podcast, comes back and says, well, we could just say, well, this is just an opinion. Or we could say, well, this is just Michelle's opinion. But today she has bravely released to us an internal document, an email from that hospital system that was sent out to those working there. I'm going to share this with you now. This went out to the staff of that hospital. Here's what it says. Good evening, everyone. Well, it seems as though the increase of demise patients that we are seeing is going to continue. There were 22 demises in August, which ties the record number of demises in July 2021. And so far in September, there have been seven, and it's only the eighth day of the month. Now, these statistics include redacted, so you haven't seen all of them, and some have also gone through the EDs and ORs 
but there have still been so many in our department. It's a lot of work for you as a bedside RNs, and it's also a lot of work for me. Demises have taken a lot of my time away from the other groups of patients that I serve. So I hope this trend doesn't continue indefinitely. Know of a few more that are scheduled to deliver in the week ahead, so unfortunately, the process is going to be very familiar with all of you. Once again, I do so appreciate the time and attention that you give to the patients when I follow up with them. They remember your names and the way you help them get through a very difficult time. Now, at this point, Del Bigtree of the High Wire podcast says, I have to say I feel like the oxygen has just been sucked out of my lungs. To read that from someone who is, I guess, as objective as you could get, working for the system itself, it now corroborates what you're seeing with your own eyes and for anyone who is having a question anywhere around the world now, this is a shocking, shocking email. Were you shocked when you received it? And sadly, her response. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't work for the first half of my shift. I was so distraught. I just kept thinking, why is nobody talking about this? The media should be outraged. We're talking about babies. And if somebody is taking that away from us, that's evil. And I've thought about quitting multiple times because of all the carnage that I've been seeing. So I want to say thank you to California postpartum nurse, Michelle Gershman, for having the guts, having the integrity to do this interview. And I also want to say thank you to a gentleman that's brand new to me and I have a lot of respect for his integrity. A gentleman named Dell Bigtree who has a video podcast called The High Wire. It's thehighwire.com. Just remarkable. Remarkable. Okay, we still have a lot to talk about on the Doc Washburn Show today. Updates on another FBI January 6th cover-up. A deep dive into the cartels. I mean, it's we got a lot going on. And we're so thankful to our advertisers for making it possible for us to do what we do. So let me just mention, if you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize there is such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where... Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, 
and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire process online, your whole purchase process. But don't worry, Red River experts are still right here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental United States. RedRiverYourWay.com, you will be glad you did. Thanks so much to our buddy Mitch Ward, proprietor of Red River Your Way. Now, I want to tell you about America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. It's called Patriot Mobile. Now more than ever, it's important for us to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage, uses the same towers the main carriers use, and they have plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for our veterans and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. I tell you what, I'm not a veteran, I'm not a first responder hero, but I am sure saving big money having switched over from one of the major cell carriers to Patriot Mobile recently. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you are shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is really easy. All you have to do is go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Now make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, now offers competitive business plans also to suit companies of any size. So, if you're a conservative-owned business, tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars, go to Corporate Woke Agendas, switch to Patriot Mobile Business. Learn more at business.patriotmobile.com or Call their 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. 
Again, remember to use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com or just call 469-FREEDOM. You know, I want to go back for just a second to, um, well, a couple of things. First of all, if you're thinking, oh, Doc, come on, man. The reporter, investigative reporter for NBC Bay Area, he isn't afraid to get suspended for going the wrong way in the Pelosi story. Really? Are you sure about that? Now think about it. NBC is the network that years ago fired Norm MacDonald off the Saturday Night Live weekend update for having the gall to keep doing jokes about O.J. Simpson after the trial, right? Dateline NBC is the show that um, about 30 years ago put incendiary devices on the sides of a truck to get it to blow up, right? Remember that? NBC is the network that doctored the tape of the 911 call when George Zimmerman called in about Trayvon Martin to try to make him look like a racist. So you don't think that they laid down the law about the Paul Pelosi story? It's not just ABC doing stuff like burying the Jeffrey Epstein story. I mean, these these ABC, CBS, NBC, they're uh, three peas in a pod, you know? Anyway, that having been said, before we get to another FBI January 6th cover-up and my deep dive into the cartels, how about a deep dive into election fraud in Arizona? Well, we got stuff going on there. Okay, first of all, here is audio from a poll watcher, Maricopa County, Arizona, that's Phoenix, saying that once a county technician showed up around lunchtime, that's when everything started to go downhill. My name is Stuart Skirty. I was a poll observer on November 8th at the El Dorado Park Community Center in Scottsdale from 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. I attest to the following observations that day during my shift. The day started off with high volume of voters and drop-offs without tabulator issues. Between 6 a.m. and 11.30 a.m., we had 460 live voters and 397 drop-offs. Lines started at 30 minutes, then moved to 45 minutes, and by noon, wait times were well over an hour to an hour and a half. Later, voter suppression issues started shortly after a county technician arrived to check our equipment. Starting at 11.30, we started experiencing issues with tabulators not accepting voters' ballots. These voters were instructed to re-enter their ballots four different ways in the original tabulator, then if all failed, to do the same thing in the second tabulator, then if failed again, go back to the first tabulator and try again. If all 12 attempts failed, they were given the choice of spoiling their ballot, having another printed, fill out their ballot again, 
and try submitting the tabulators again. A 30-plus minute process on top of waiting in line for an hour plus or placing their ballot in drawer number three. Between 11.30 and noon, approximately 10% of the ballots were failing. Between noon and 12.30, approximately 20% of the ballots were failing. Between 12.30 and 1 o'clock, four of every seven ballots were failing. I'll never forget the look on these affected voters' faces. They were in disbelief that our system of voting was failing them in a mass, in mass, and on the most important election day of the 22 cycle. In the 42 years I have been voting, 99% of which is in per- was in person, I have never experienced such chaos, confusion, and voter suppression. The 42 years I've been voting, 99% of it was in person. I've never experienced such chaos, confusion, and voter suppression. Voter suppression. It's like I've been telling you. They're stealing Arizona. They're stealing Arizona. Now, I have more evidence of that. This is a voter objecting, and this is at the most recent meeting of the Maricopa County, Arizona Board of Commissioners. And uh, I got to tell you, this guy's in the warpath, and I don't blame him. And I think he nailed it. Mr. Baker. Good morning. Once again, the eyes of the world are upon Maricopa County for another botched election. Am I here to accuse you of stealing the vote? Heavens no, for that would make me a terrorist, wouldn't it? Let me ask you, if you took your life savings to a bank and the teller put them in a machine and the machine kicked out one out of four of your bills and the teller said, don't worry, we'll put them in box three over here and we'll let you know how many were in there later. We'll send them off to a separate location and someone will be sure to get back to you and tell you how much money you have. Would you be okay with that? No, you would not be okay with that. Now ask yourself the question, which is more valuable, your vote or your money? Now ask a lobbyist that same question. Now ask a campaign manager that question. Now ask Mark Zuckerberg that question, which is more valuable, your money or your vote or your country or this world or the corruption that is taking over every single county in this nation? And then you look into your own soul and you look back at yourself in the mirror and realize that you are the cancer that is tearing this nation apart. Good day. Thank you. Now, you, you notice at the end there, when the county commissioner of Maricopa County, Arizona, says thank you, that's like, couldn't care less, pal. Knock yourself out. Yell your lungs out. Doesn't matter to me. That's what he's saying. 
Now, interestingly enough, Carrie Lake has a new video out on social media. In it, she doesn't say a word. It's a compilation of campaign appearances. And instead of her saying a word, she lets Tom Petty speak for her. You know the old song. I won't back down. I won't back down. So it looks like um, it looks like the whole Arizona situation could get quite interesting. And though she's got a good lawyer, Harmeet Dillon, and I'm fascinated to know what sort of legal advice Carrie Lake is getting from her great lawyer and what their strategy is going to be. Fascinated to know. All right, um, before we get to the FBI, January 6th deep dive and the deep dive into the cartels, um, you may have heard about the shootings of three athletes at University of Virginia over the weekend. And my heart hurt. when I saw the photos of these three young men, handsome-looking young fellows in jackets and ties, strong, athletic, handsome-looking young fellows, had their whole lives ahead of them. They looked like the kind of young men that would happily pull over and help you change a tire. Don't know them, don't know their families, but my heart hurts for their families. By the way, the Washington Post did an article let's give credit where it's due here. The reporters are John Woodrow Cox, William Wan, Ian Shapira. And Cindy Boren. Now, I, I will, I got a caveat here. Big city newspapers, the reporters don't always have a lot to do with the headline. I'm just telling you. But the story has a picture of the alleged murderer smiling, also wearing a jacket and a tie. He was a former member of the UVA football team. And the headline says, Suspected UVA gunman had troubled childhood, but then flourished. Oh, okay. So the guy that uh, police say killed the other athletes was actually in the process of flourishing. <laughs> 
That's Washington Post for you. You remember when um, we took out al-Baghdadi, the head of ISIS, and they had an obituary for him, called him an austere religious scholar, you know, instead of a terrorist, instead of a jihadist? That's Washington Post for you. And all too often, sadly, it's the mainstream media for you. Sadly. All right, Darren J. Beatty of Revolver News is very much in the news again. Talk about January 6th and the story about the pipe bomber that just doesn't add up. Also about the cartels. And we'll get to that momentarily. First, I would like to share with you the best-kept health secret in America. The best-kept secret in health and health care in America. So let me ask you, are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, issues with your blood sugar, psoriasis, even migraines? Well, the Arkansas Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. Rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which weighs only 2 ounces, so it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for 5 or 6 weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away. It's never come back. Used to have migraines too. Got my atlas adjusted. Migraines went away. Never came back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, psoriasis, problems with your blood sugar, even migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501 279 2009, for free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people that we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside of central Arkansas and you're wishing that you were closer, so you can try this out, just go to their website. TurnMyPowerOn.com and click on the link that says Find a Doctor Near You. Click on that tab, the one that says Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right, Darren J. Beatty. Revolver News was on with Steve Bannon recently. War Room. And boy, I tell you what, it was uh, it was heavy as a Chevy. Here they go. He won't uh, admit to uh, or won't answer the question about um, FBI assets in inside the Capitol. Uh- 
on uh, on uh, January sixth. We'll uh, talk about FBI Director Chris Ray. We'll talk and we'll answer any questions straight. You've got another big surf in the New York Times, but I want to go. Um, I want to go to this <clears throat> quickly to the the situation with this <clears throat> crypto FTX SBF. The guys pumping hundreds of millions of dollars into Democratic Party. Uh, do we have the clip? Is it ready to go? You'll tell me momentarily. Tell me, tell me about uh, it is. Let's go ahead and play this. I want to play this and then bring in Darren Beatty for his thoughts. You know, on the balance sheet of FTX's line called Trump Lose. And Sam was the second biggest donor to Democratic candidates. I'm going to leave it to everybody else to draw their own conclusions about what you're saying here. Okay, right there, that's Ken Griffin. This is no fan of Trump. He's the guy that's putting, going to put $100 million or a couple hundred million dollars on back of Ron DeSantis or any other vessel to take on Trump. So this is not a, this is not a friend of Trump or Trump. He said, hey, his purpose is to, is to shut down the populist movement. That's Griffin. But even he's shocked. It, 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 why this story should be metastasizing to the power of 10, Darren Beatty. I know you guys are all over it, but tell folks why this guess money laundering operation in crypto that's the back of the Democratic Party is so important. It's got a connection to Ukraine and the Clintons, sir. Oh, yes. Well, as you know, um, the story is much bigger than this. There's a much, much bigger scandal, and Revolver News is on it, but the audience will just have to wait a little bit, but stay tuned. Um, FTX is child's play compared to what's coming in the crypto world. But I'll say this about the FTX scandal. It actually absolutely is a money laundering story. They're trying to make it into not even a case of fraud. I mean, the New York Times... The same New York Times, by the way, which ran a puff piece on Ray Epps, did a whole whitewash operation on Sam Bakeman Freed, the um, apparent fraudster uh, uh, behind the FTX operation. So the little dogs in the New York Times have done their good janitorial work, at least in this attempted mop-up job here. But really, I'd say what you can say about it is this. There's some comparisons of FTX to Theranos, the famous scandal whereby some scam woman pretended to be a nerd and basically swindled a bunch of you know old, dumb, former government revolving door figures, including Mad Dog Mattis, who crawled away from his litter box for two seconds to get swindled by a young woman. But... Um, actually, the right comparison here is not Theranos. It's actually um, uh, something called BCCI, which is a bank that was set up in the 70s. It was full of scams. Everyone was scamming it. The depositors were scammed. But it wasn't touched for quite some time. And the reason it wasn't touched is that part of the people taking advantage of the scam bank were the intelligence agencies themselves. And, in fact, the CIA used the BCCI. CCI Bank to conduct various money laundering operations. It was instrumental in the Iran-Contra affair and other things. And so the BCCI model, I think, is the appropriate sort of heuristic, the antecedent, if you will, um, within which we can um, understand not only FTX, but certain other crypto scams that might even have more dire consequences for the crypto community and perhaps the economy at large. So the BCCI bank. You've got a big. You've got. 
Yeah. You've, you've got a big bombshell story coming out of that that says going to make uh, uh, FTX look small, which from Darren B. says that it's time to take notice. Uh, we only got a couple of minutes. I want to get to this other New York Times story you guys are all over. Walk us through that. So basically, Revolver News vindicated again. Everyone calls us conspiracy theorists, whatever. These sub-literate mediocrities, um, you know, caterwauling and calling us, you know, conspiracy. It's just, it's so ridiculous to be called that or even to be in the same conversation with these mediocrities. But the New York Times came out, basically vindicated Revolver again. There's another batch. It's like another tranche here now we learn of eight new um, informants who are in the Bad Boys. All of these organizations were riddled with informants. We just learned that the number two guy, the vice president of the Oath Keepers, he was also an informant. So the question really becomes who in the high levels of these organizations wasn't an informant? That's the relevant question. And if they have all these informants in here and the government is then presumably informed, how do they explain the fact that all these people were, you know, planning some big thing on January 6th, all of them were informants, and the feds were just caught completely flat-footed, and Christopher Ray, in his famous testimony that we included in that classic seminal revolver piece that really opened up the whole discussion of the fed direction, Christopher Ray said, oh, gee, gosh darn, I just kick myself because we didn't have any assets, and if only we knew, if only we were in a position to know liar we know he's a liar we know he's trying to get out of it wiggle his way out of it by quietly retiring the henchman scumbag Yantuono who ran the Michigan operation and now he's the public face of the pipe bomb he quietly resigned they know they're guilty and they're trying to scramble away from it and that's why you know we, we've got them if we're just persistent if we maintain focus and in particular you. if we demand the chain of custody for those DNC pipe bomb videos it's game over. Uh, Darren, we know you're going to be persistent and focus. How did it get to Revolver? How did they get to you on social media? Revolver.news, white hot. Check out our piece on the informants. We did a nice little blog on that. As I said, we're working on something very big that will be out this week that will make FTX look like child's play. Well, let's talk about that. Shall we? Let's talk about that. I want to go to something that uh, Darren J. Beatty's his news site has done about the pipe bomb that was allegedly placed in front of Democrat National Committee building the night before January 6th. Fascinating. Fascinating. And on Twitter, he says in the description of the video, caught him red-handed. Check it out. The FBI has released new videos in hopes of identifying a mystery suspect who planted two pipe bombs the night before the Capitol riot. Pete, what's the aim in putting out these videos? 
Lesser FBI agents say they have no idea who planted the bombs, and they hope these new videos will generate some valuable tips. One shows the suspect walking up and sitting on a park bench near the Democratic National Party headquarters. One of the bombs was later planted in this same area. Frames per second, like its name implies, is the number of individual images, or frames, the system captures every second. The average industry frame rate of most CCTV cameras is around 15 frames per second. We also recommend using a minimum of 15 FPS, or frames per second. Now, here at Proactive Security, we recommend actually 15 frames per second. What you're looking at is the actual frame speed of the security video the FBI released to the public of the January 6th pipe bomb suspect. It's just one frame per second. You're going to learn now why that is virtually impossible, unless this tape is not the original source footage. A comprehensive study in 2021 by one of the world's leading authorities on security cameras found that 0% of cameras in use in America today operate at just one frame per second. Statistically speaking, the odds that the video the FBI released to the public was unaltered is less than 1%. The average gas station in America uses 15 frames per second. That would make the DNC National Headquarters 15 times worse than the average gas station. Meanwhile, we know the DNC cares so much about security at this area that for years they have stationed a physical guard during the daytime right at this site. And that makes sense. It was the break-in of the DNC National Headquarters 50 years ago that caused the largest scandal in American history, Watergate. Between the history of attacks on the DNC building, plus the fact that D.C. was once the murder capital of the country, plus the fact that 0% of cameras in use today use one frame per second, it is virtually impossible the tape the FBI released was the actual unedited footage. Wow. Just wow. Did you get that? There's no way. It's impossible that the security camera video footage that the feds have released about the alleged January 5th, January 6th, pipe bomber, there's no way that video footage is legit. It's been tampered with. That's a, that's a big deal. Now, Darren J. Beatty has alluded to the feds. The feds doing one thing or another, right? So, a crazy thing to me. A crazy thing is on his Twitter feed, Darren J. Beatty has retweeted something. Darren J. Beatty has retweeted a tweet from a video podcast I'd never heard of before. It's called Concrete, except the first letter is spelled with a K instead of a C. And so, Concrete, there is a, um, there are a couple of tweets they put out. 
about a month ago. One of which says, is the CIA working with the cartels? And Darren J. Beatty retweeted it and also responded, a quote tweet saying, you don't say. And so I had to listen to stuff. And um, I've got it for you. And I can't figure out who the guest is here. He's clearly Hispanic, sounds like a pretty thick accent might be from Mexico, home of the cartels. But they don't, in the, in the clips I've got here, which I'm going to share the audio with you, they don't give us the guy's name. And I've gone to the concrete website. It's K-O-N-C-R-E-T-E dot com. And I cannot find the video with this guy's face and voice. So I don't know who he is, but the concrete podcast is clearly a big deal. They've been around for years and they have a lot of viewers. And so I wanna I wanna share with you what this guy tells the host of concrete because uh, I'm not even gonna lie, fam. It uh, it got deep, and it got deep fast. Is the CIA working with the cartels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, short, short answer is yes. They are. <laughs> yeah, man. Not only the CIA, also, I guess every other agency in the U.S. or every every three-lettered agency in the U.S. DEA, is, CIA, FBI, yeah. you know, like... Most of those guys are collaborating with with narcos, uh, not only in Mexico but all through Latin America, man. And I mean, they're not. It's not like they're, you know, like smuggling drugs themselves, but it's like they're breaking deals. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the narco, um, the drug traffickers in Mexico. The issue has gotten so big right now that it is easily. Uh, it's very easy to to unstabilize a country through through well, narco, you know, through violence, through drug trafficking, mm. and all of that. And and I know for a fact that some of these narcos they don't even know they're being played. By- all right, he's got a pretty thick accent. I just want you to know, he said it's very easy to destabilize a country through violence or drug trafficking. By by U.S. agencies to to destabilize um, you know the Mexican government or Mexican forces. You know. So what is what specifically is the U.S.'s involvement with these cartels? Like you told me to watch that that documentary on Amazon Prime, the last I think it's called the last narc. The last narc. Mm-hmm. Um, well, who was the guy's name? It was the Mexican DEA agent mm-hmm. who was basically murdered by um, so a couple drug lords, and there was a famous or a very well known CIA clandestine CIA agent there, yeah. Felix Rodriguez. Exactly. Um, and they murdered this guy. This guy who worked for the DEA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is their specific involvement, and what is in it? What is the incentive to work together? Okay, first, let me just address this documentary they're talking about here. Um, 
uh, pardon me. I guess I guess it's not a documentary. I guess it's a actual drama, but it's it's based on it's a TV miniseries. But it's based on what really happened. Okay, former cartel insiders divulge the bone-chilling details behind the notorious murder and kidnapping of DEA agent Kiki Camarena. Okay, so it is a documentary. I remember in the news in the mid-'80s when this DEA agent was, uh, was murdered, um, and it was horrendous. So that's what they're talking about. They don't say his name on the interview we're listening to right now, but it was Kiki Camarena, 1985 DEA agent Enrique Kiki Camarena, kidnapped, tortured, murdered by Mexican drug lords. And um, in this documentary, Special Agent Hector Perez reveals the truth about the conspiracy behind Camarena's murder that stretches from Mexico all the way to Washington, D.C. All right, here's the rest of the interview. I think uh, the, the involvement has a lot of layers. So one of the one of the main layers is, um, I don't know, supplying uh, aircrafts or legal entrants under the radar to drug into the U.S., I guess that's something that the U.S. has offered before, but um, there are a lot of uh, there is a lot of collab- um, talking about El Mayo. You know, El Mayo Zambada. It's basically like the biggest narco now in Mexico. He has always been El Mayo. El Mayo. He's uh, he started before El Chapo Guzman, and El Chapo Guzman was actually working under under El Mayo Zambada. The thing is, like, he's too shadowy. No one no one really knows where he is. There's only one photo of him on the internet. Really? So no one has really. And, and that photo, it's like from the 80s or 90s. Like that. He must be old. So he's old now. He's old now, and he's always been around. He has his people. Um, I was personally uh, at a at a, at a party, a party uh, recently in Culiacan with uh, with his security people. He's he's basically his sicarios, his hitman group, um, and he's he's still in the mountains controlling the whole business from Sinaloa. Um, no one really knows where he is, how he looks right now. He's been too too shadowy. But the thing is, most two or three of his sons were arrested in the U.S. in different uh, occasions, right? Like so, mm-hmm. 2013, one of his sons was arrested in Nogales, and then another one in I think San Diego, or something like that. And that family keeps deucing both governments, keeps uh, keep, they're keeping out of trouble, like El Chapo, right? El Chapo got life sentence, and these three kids of him, knowingly um, by the U.S. that they were trafficking and working under the biggest organization in Latin America, which is the Sinaloa Cardel. Mm-hmm. Um, they're breaking deals with, with everybody. So they're in the U.S. One of them, it's actually free to go back and forth Mexico as a, as a legal permanent resident of the U.S. The other guy just got his uh, sentence reduced, so I think he's going to go out next month from Yale. And the other guy received, um, he got 
I think he, they they changed his whole identity and he got like legal status to stay in the in the U.S. with his family and everything. And no one really know where he is. And and Almayo is still free. So when you when you see that, there has to be some involvement, right? I mean, it's not it's not like they they hired super. And that's where it cuts off. So I go to the website. K O N. C-R-E-T-E, concrete.com with a K on the on the front. And, and and I look at, I scroll through. They got a lot of videos. But I can't find that one. So he says the CIA... And all the other three-letter agencies are doing stuff with the cartels. How about that? How about that? Now, don't get me started on uh, MENA and the Arkansas connection, MENA-Arkansas and the, the Contras. Just goes on and on and on. I mean, you could go down some rabbit holes. I mean, I've, I found an article in the uh, the UK Sun, Poisonous Snake, Inside the Hunt for El Chapo's Bloodthirsty Partner, El Mayo, who's so terrifying his own men won't even utter his name. Uh, Rolling Stone Magazine, Vicente Zambada Niebla, son of El Chapo, cartel partner El Mayo, sentenced to 15 years in prison. I remember when back in 2017, the Mexican army arrested one of El Chapo's sons and 700 cartel members showed up and threatened to start murdering civilians. The army didn't give him back and the, the army gave him back and the president, Obrador, Omeiko said that he just thought it would be in the best interest of stopping the bloodshed to give back this guy they had just arrested. Now, I, I, did, I did some nosing around. I did some snooping. And Business Insider has an article from October 2nd of this year. Uh, uh, Luis Chaparro wrote it, it says, from inside the U.S.'s most secure prison, El Chapo, is pointing fingers at what he says are the real powers in the drug trade. Three years after his conviction, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman remains in the U.S.'s most secure prison. The former chief of the Sinaloa cartel says high-level officials are the real powers in the drug trade. Guzman's lawyer said the kingpin believed putting away the cartel's Alleged leakers didn't work. Didn't work. Fascinating article. Also, a report from September 29th, 2021. Chief investigative reporter for ABC 7 Eyewitness News in Chicago, Chuck Gowdy, who used to be a reporter in Charlotte, North Carolina, many, many years ago. 
he worked for Channel 9, and I worked for the country music station in the same building. So he's got this report here, ABC 7, Eyewitness News, Chicago, September 29th, 2021. It is entitled $15 million reward for Ismael Zambada Garcia suggests Chicago has new public enemy number one. I'm like, my goodness. Chicago. So, okay, let's check that out. When the U.S. State Department tripled the reward for Ismael Zambada Garcia from $5 million to $15 million, the man they call El Mayo effectively became Chicago's new public enemy number one and the city's most wanted fugitive just by the price tag on his head. El Mayo is the leader of Mexico's Sinaloa cartel, taking over five years ago for the notorious drug lord known as El Chapo. El Mayo has been on the lam for decades, but at age 73 and said to be in ill health, he may no longer be on the run. For decades, the right-hand man, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, when Chapo was arrested in a 2016 firefight... Mayo was the man who assumed cartel leadership. At the time, U.S. officials were offering only a $5 million reward for El Chapo, and to this day will only pay $10 million for rival new generation cartel boss El Mencho. Those two cartels provide nearly all of the illicit street drugs sold in Chicago, according to law enforcement officials here. Mexican cartels are producing huge amounts of fentanyl clandestinely, illegally, in industrial-sized labs in Mexico. Tonight, what was a $5 million reward for El Mayo is now $15 million, making him the highest-priced fugitive in Chicago, where he is facing this multi-count federal drug indictment from 2009 with El Chapo. If they're able to get El Chapo, it stands to reason that they could get El Mayo. The difference is El Chapo was a lot younger and a lot more out there and open. El Mayo's been successful because he's always kind of sat in the background of the cartel as opposed to some of the other figures who have either been killed or arrested. Global security expert Ed Farrell is a former deputy U.S. marshal in Chicago, who tonight says Mexican law enforcement is more helpful than a few years ago. Taking this individual down would be symbolic in nature, and it would also take away the mentor for El Chapo's sons, who are the heir apparent's the organization. El Mayo is thought to be hiding out in Mexico, and American officials hope the sizable reward might be an adequate incentive for someone there or here to turn him in. But while $15 million is the biggest reward for a Chicago most wanted, it is not the nation's largest. The bounty on Al-Qaeda terror boss Ayman al-Zawahiri is $25 million. Wow. So I'm old enough to remember after they stole the election for uh, Biden, that he said he wanted to surge the border, right? He wanted illegals to head our way, a surge of them. And, of course, they're bringing in the fentanyl that's killing American young people. It's made in China, and they traffic it into the U.S., through the cartels. So, I mean, what does that tell you? Biden is one of the most cynical politicians I've ever heard of. Not even a lie, fam. It's horrendous. 
Okay, looks like it's that time. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. And it's brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to, online, and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. All right, so today's Tweet of the Day brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. ABC6 in Philly has a story of what seemed to be an attempted kidnapping in Potsdam, Philadelphia. This one was creepy, but thank God there was a happy ending. Members of the community and police are singing the praises of a 10-year-old boy and a 17-year-old girl for foiling what appeared to be an attempted kidnapping in Pottstown on Friday. Action News reporter John Paul is live at Pottstown Police with that story tonight. John? Jim just got off the phone with police a few minutes ago. They tell me they have located the woman involved in all this. Now, the 10-year-old boy was walking just down the street. He was walking home on Friday when he says the woman tried to lure him away. That day when I was watching that video, I cried every time I saw it. This is the video that made Sam Green cry. His 10-year-old son, Sammy, is at the top of the screen and was being followed by a woman on Friday. said that she probably knew me and she was going to Wawa and that he was supposed to go with her and he could get anything he wanted. But Sammy wasn't going to fall for it. He knew exactly what to do. His dad taught him how to act in a situation like this. So he walked inside of a store that he was familiar with. It's called Danny B. Funky, just down the street from his house. We talked to the owner. He felt comfortable enough to come on in here, and he came right around the corner to where Hannah was, and she he whispered in her ear. You can see it on the video. He walks to the store clerk and leans in. We found out what he said. He said, uh, to act like you're my mom, this lady's following me. After processing what was going on, you see her get between Sammy and the woman who was still holding the door open. She walks over, pulls it shut, and then locks it. The woman runs off. Sammy is now safe. The owner and Sammy's dad aren't sure what the woman was trying to do, but they know that Sammy and the clerk both did the right thing. He just knew something was not right and did what he needed to do. He did what he was supposed to do because he didn't know the person. Yeah, police are saying the same thing tonight when I talked to him a few minutes ago. They're praising the boy for his quick actions, also for remaining so calm during all this. Now, they said they did locate the woman involved here. They tell me that she's now being referred for mental health help. In Pottstown, John Paul, Channel 6, Action News. Jim. Thank you, John. A lot to be thankful for on that one. That's for sure. And that is our Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Thank you so much to our buddy Mitch Ward over at Red River Your Way. You've been listening to Episode 283 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show We'll be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, 
Simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the Tenth. And that's the way it is, Wednesday, November 16th, 2022.